Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Because Big Mike has got the life starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik, and today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back my really good friends, Wendy Sweet, who is always sweet, and <laughs> Bill Fairman. Billy. Hi, Billy. Hi, Wendy. Yeah. Thank you so much, Randy. <laughs> great to be here. Thank you. Thank you guys very much for coming on the podcast. So what's new and exciting in the world of uh, Bill and Wendy show? Well, since we have our own show and apparently I talk a lot, I'm going to let Wendy tell you. Only because he hadn't thought of anything to say. So that's when he puts it over to me. And I appreciate that, Bill. <laughs> We've got, uh, you know, I, the same thing happening all over the country is happening with us. The complete and utter unknown of what's going on in the market. It's It's just, it's crazy, isn't it? All the 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 nuances and all the things that are going on, it's just, it's a crazy market, but we're ready for it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one word that describes the market is high uncertainty, substantial volatility, and um, uh, I guess fear over some kind of recession. Uh, and typically, uh, those things obviously uh, scare people. And when people are scared, they don't want to do anything. Yeah, I- We've seen a little bit of hesitancy in our particular borrowers. You know, we were really heavy in single family mm-hmm. picks and flip and then fixed to, to rent as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're seeing a little bit less of that because let's face it, the prices were getting a little bit too high for anyone to make any money on with cash flow if they're doing fixed to rent. Yeah. The, the, the prices were a little bit too high. Um Many we, of them are need, in a wait and see mode. Yeah, and we need yeah. this correction anyway. But from our standpoint, we also do small multifamily mm-hmm. and small self storage. Uh, we, we, you know, we make loans on those, so we're seeing a little bit more of a shift to the commercial side of things. Um, so you know, we're we're still busy. We're just busy at and, yeah different, different thing. Uh, types types of property. Yeah, which is exciting because it's you know we're still. Since 2019, we've been really preparing ourselves for a recession or what might identify as a session recession. We don't know if it is or not, do we? <laughs> but really, we've been preparing for this and uh, really where we're shifting to where we're doing a little more commercial stuff. Um, I mean, it was at about 40 percent of what we were doing. Now it's a little bit more than that. And um we're sticking in the recession proof market for that too. Or resistant. Resistant. There isn't a recession proof. That's correct. So let, let me let me ask you a couple of follow-up questions. So on the residential front, how do you underwrite these projects when the prices are softening? And uh we've heard this story everywhere. You you are Carolina Capital and you do a lot of deals in Carolinas, but you do deals outside of Carolinas as well. And many markets are showing signs of residential correction. Simply higher rates uh, kill affordability. If it's a fix and flip project, the future value is unknown. What's going to happen in six months when the project hits the market? And then on the commercial uh, front, um, if you're doing a loan or a storage or one of the the other commercial deals, 
how do you underwrite uh, the future value uh, or you just do it more conservatively? I'm just curious uh, in the underwriting well, as a lender, uh, what adjustments are you making to be operating in this environment? Yeah, well, for the single family type, fix and flip, du duplexes, that kind of thing, and the buy and hold market. We we blend in North and South Carolina mostly, and then, of course, all the states that touch us and a little bit of, of Florida as well. So that's a market that we know really, really well. One thing we've done is we've we've tightened our loan to value, number one. And number two, we're not pulling comps the way we used to. You know, used to you could go back, you know, three to six months pulling comps. We're really keeping it close to the cuff on what we're pulling. We like 30 days or less. Um, that's really, really important to us because we really, because the, the markets are really in pockets. You know, you have uh, states that are doing well, but really within the states, you have the cities within the cities, you even have neighborhoods that you really need to understand what's going on. And the price point, the after repaired value price point is really, really important. Again, we like to stay in that um, recession resistant market, you know, well under the $500,000 mark for us, um, where we, you know, where we're lending. As far as commercial is concerned, um, you know, that's, that is so much a numbers game that to, to me, those are, have always been a little bit easier to underwrite because there's no emotion in it. <laughs> and, and you're just dealing with a different type of clientele. So that's been a, a lot easier for us. And again, the LTV, the the um, the loans uh, that that we're lending on is going to be a little bit lower than we normally have yeah, done. Yeah, you know, expectations previously on a you know a four or five cap uh, property is <laughs> out the window because you can't get yeah. refinanced at a decent uh, rate and make that like uh, you know the numbers don't work. Yeah. So they're having to bring a lot more money to the table. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think you were safe on this residential side of things. You're safe with the shorter projects at the higher LTVs. The longer the project's going to take, the lower the loan to value is going to be because that, of that unknown of what it's going to be worth by the time they finish the project. Yeah. So that's a pretty good rule of thumb. And we are pretty lucky. Uh, we're in a market that people are migrating to. Yeah, that helps. Uh, not you know, leaving. So that's helpful. Well, one of the things too, that I think is really important and has been um, probably the thing that's kept us in the game for as long as we've been in it. And we like our size this, this way too, because we, we still base our loans on the character of the borrower. Um, just as strong as anything that we underwrite, we like lending to people that we know, like, and trust we want to know what their scars are. We don't care if they have them. We want to see what they did to get through it. And having, you know, lending and having a relationship with people that have that experience that were around in 2008 and 2009. We want to, you know, th those are the people that we really enjoy doing business with because we know this isn't their first rodeo. They're dealing with the same kind of caution we are. And we just tend to understand each other a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It's almost given that uh, you want to work only with people who you know, like a trust. 
So if a cold borrower reaches out, say, I'd like a loan, I assume that's not, uh, I mean, you can still underwrite them based on a, on a, on a project, uh, an LTV, but it's a whole lot harder because you always want to underwrite the person first. It's only Absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, tightening uh, LTV is absolutely the right strategy. The big question is what that um, value is going to be. And the fact that you're using three months comps, sorry, 30 days comps versus the three months comp is critical. You, you can't go like three months ago or six months ago, numbers were drastically different. That's right. So it's something, something that, and not only that, don't you have to project the value continue to contract? Because again, if the rates continue to rise and they're still going to rise for some amount of time uh, until Fed says we're done, for now it's not over yet. The assumption is that it's going to be a lot harder to sell the property with uh, higher mortgage price, mortgage rates. Affordability continues to to hurt. Although I, I have to say this, that the impact of incremental change from here is a lot less painful than the incremental change at the very beginning. Because a 75 basis point jump when the rates were half what they are now is a lot more impactful uh, than uh, than now. But it's still it's still painful. So on the residential front, understood. Back to the commercial front. Um, how do you, um, like Billy, you said, these five cap exits, uh, underwriting on the commercial deals. We, we, we push the cap rates up in our underwriting. We have to. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the big assumption. So uh, you still... And then the cap rate determines the value. So if you look at the NOI, how do you underwrite what the likely exit value is with high interest rates, higher cap? Um, and do you adjust on a commercial deals for also high inflation? Now, this is a, um, it's almost a paradox question. It's difficult to underwrite. We deal with this too. Uh, if you assume the rate's going up, that is typically linked to high inflation, right? So if, if inflation is higher than uh, the normal 3% a year, then you should be kind of covering it up in, in the form of higher rents, right? Higher revenues. Yeah. But the cap rate with high interest rates has to expand. It has to. The, the, mm-hmm. the people are not, can, they can't pay what they used to pay because the debt service is a lot higher now. So I'm just curious, what are you doing on the commercial front? How much adjustment are you giving for, on one hand, high inflation, higher rents, on the other side, higher interest rates, higher cap rates, uh, as far as the valuation is concerned. I'm just curious how you're thinking. About yeah, well, honestly, I'm not the one that underwrites them. That's uh, Jonathan's job. Yeah. Uh, but the understanding is that the assumption is going to be a little, about a 6% addition based on inflation going forward. Um, so we're going to have to assume uh, they're going to have to uh, have about a 6% or so increase in order, you know, or a buffer, as it were. Uh, to 6% make meaning the high in, inflation. Yeah, we're right, assuming right, right inflation is 6% higher, higher than what, what it was in before, right? Right. Correct. Right. And it's a huge adjustment. It's kind yeah. of a funny, um, uh, we, we've well, seen I mean, year over year. Inflation, if you look at actual in, inflation, you, you start taking out all the numbers the government doesn't want to use. I mean, we're, I believe we're in double digits. Oh, yeah. So, um you have to make that high of an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So rent inflation continues to be double digit versus the CPI, which is what the government reports, and they exclude a lot of things from that. Still, CPI is very high, uh, excluding all that stuff. But the rent inflation of over ten percent is still, still taking place. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think the rent inflation is going to 
kind of stabilize a little bit because you're going to get to a point where you're going to have a lot of your uh, A-class properties. Uh, they're going to start losing a, a bunch of tenants because they can't afford to, you know, that much in rent. Um, and so, you know, the, the rents are going to start coming down in those class A properties. So I, I think over time, it's going to stabilize um, probably within the next uh, year or two. So are you referring to storage or are you referring to multifamily? I'm talking about uh, multifamily. Uh, storage, I don't believe storage is going up quite that high uh, because it's not a necessity. Uh, a place to live is a necessity. Uh, storage is not. And I don't, I don't, I don't think we have to worry about rent rates going up that high. Uh, there's a lot of competition in the storage business. Yeah. People will start willing to drive further out than the typical three to five miles to start storing stuff and they'll get a lot more competitive. And interesting point. You've got a, a lot of cheap money out there. Um, the, the the big guys that have all the cheap money in the first place uh, that have already locked in, they can uh, they can take the little guys and kind of put them out of business by charging next to nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they'll have to be competitive. The people that are going to are going to be hurting are the ones that are over leveraged and have to get the uh, right, you know, the, the higher rates. But uh, like I said, it people will to start saving money. You know, they people start going to all the discount stores. Uh, they'll start doing the same thing with storage if you mm -hmm. um, put them to it. They'll just yeah. start driving further away. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, saying that storage is um, more of a commodity. Yep. Um, especially if the rates keep climbing at a pace where uh, folks get more, more, more price sensitive. The good old concept in storage was if you're paying $80, $80 a month for rent, you're going to pay 90. They can push the rents up by 10%. Right. But mm -hmm. if you have, before you know from 80 goes to 90 and 90 to hundred, and then before you know it's 130, right. uh, maybe a little more, more sensitivity kicks in. And I'm uh, not saying that people are going to stop storing their stuff because we still have an unhealthy, um, relationship Traction, yeah <laughs> relationship with our junk but they'll just find uh you know cheaper ways to store it right uh, understood uh, so go back to multifamily that's an interesting point that uh the folks in the class a apartments may be more receptive to substitute down to class b if the class a rents keep pushing up and up and up but that's a great point i i happen to agree and there's another substitution effect as the fed continues to push uh, rates up uh, the folks can't afford to buy. When right. they can't afford to buy, they have to substitute to continuous rental. And That's that right. pushes their demand up for rentals. So uh, with this argument, you can make the point that the class B properties, again, I'm not talking about class C or lower, difficult to manage, but the class Bs are even more attractive in this mm -hmm. environment due to the substitution effect out of class A's to more affordable class B. And then uh, also from the uh, inability to buy with the high debt to income ratio and not being able to to qualify. What do you think about the class B um, multifamily assets? Is this, just curious, is most of your investing in that in that space is in the class B type of yes. uh, mm -hmm. asset? We have a, we have a, we've lent on a few C's, but it's mostly been B. And I've always liked that space mm -hmm. because exactly what you're talking about people in the C's tend to move up to the B's in a, in a bad economy. 
or a declining one, people from the A move down to the B. B is always going to be positioned properly. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> That's great. So um, are you you guys doing bridge loans on these properties? I'm just curious, what kind of rates are you charging? Um, I assume that the folks who are buying, they can't get a bank loan uh, or Fannie Freddie because these are bridge loans until they do some value at work, right? Just mm -hmm. just curious, what what what, what product you, you provide, and then what are you still charging in that space as far as the rate and charging? With the same thing we charge on our single family. Yeah, so, um, real very similar. Uh, between ten and and eleven and three points. And in the higher rate environment, I guess people complain less, right? So before it, it felt yeah, like we were, we were not very competitive initially, and now everybody are. wants us. <laughs> Well, that's actually a great point. Uh, I've talked to a number of other hard money lenders, and uh, one of the basic uh, concepts is you can actually start pushing rates up. The other thing I've seen people do uh, is don't give them a fixed rate, but link it to an index. I mean, Prime Plus or Software Plus or something. Well, so we're that... also linking that to a uh, time frame. So once you've gotten to the end of your term, and a lot of these terms go over, you know, because... For, for a commercial, six, six months is way too short. It's more 12, 18 months. So when they go over um, that time frame, the rate increases as well as um, extension, fees. extension fees that yeah. they have to charge on that. Um, so we're not charging, our, you know, we're not increasing our rates up front. We're you know, letting them get their foot in the door, do the business the way they want to do the business. If it's taking them longer than they intended on doing then they're they're going to pay a little more on the right so we're trying to encourage them to light a fire and get moving through it it's only an adjustable if it takes you longer than it, than necessary that's right <laughs> yeah i hear you and just i'm going to correct this joke i hope you're not upset you're doing some vulture lending yeah <laughs> you, you, you want them to go over the term so you can jack up the rate and i'm just no, kidding no we're uh, not going to kick a man when he's truly, down that's truly, not <laughs> truly what we want them to do is finished quicker than they planned. Yeah. We, because we, the faster they finish, the less money it costs them. Yeah. And, and we you, tell them that in the beginning. Yeah, Look, yeah. you know, you're you're paying an annualized rate of return. If you only keep this loan for six months, you're paying half of what the actual uh, note rate is. So I assume that most of what you're funding are substantial value at. Otherwise, just... Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's no point in getting our loan just for an acquisition unless you're only keeping it for a month or two. Although, you know, sometimes that happens too. Yeah. But we're, we're sticking. And the reason that we're, we're able to do this and the reason why we have borrowers in the first place is because these are small ish properties, you know, they're less than a hundred units. And, you know, most of the bigger players with the more competitive rates don't want to deal with that. Yeah. And so it's a nice little niche that we're in. Yeah, it's a great point. We, we've we done a number of the commercial deals that you guys know with uh, some of the big operators. And mm -hmm. because they have bigger assets, they're getting bridge paper, but it's not the rates you're mentioning. So in that in that space, still able to get, just say, six and a half, six seventy five, maybe, you know, the rates yeah. go up 7% paper uh, on bridge versus uh, 10, 11. Mm -hmm. uh, because they're larger properties and the, the borrowers are, uh, much more bankable. But at the same time, fundamentally, you have proportionally probably similar collateral just because these are smaller assets. Um, they're, they're not going to be uh, exciting for the big money. So the, the, the less competitive money is what you um, 
what you have. The other quick question that I have is if you see so much demand, yeah, we'll, we'll ask another site, you know, what investors are looking for, because you basically need the supply demand of the money, right? So you have so much demand for the money. Are you raising rates? You should be raising rates. That's the basic theory. Uh, before, maybe you were not as competitive. Now you're much more competitive, but why not get less competitive and raise interest rates some for the reason that it comes down to the supply demand of the money? We, Her and I argue about this all the time. <laughs> no, we like, don't. Yes, we do. No, we I know don't. She's, <laughs> she, she, she's not only Wendy sweet, she's Wendy, Wendy nice. So, she's yeah. nice <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm always, I have this argument that we haven't been as competitive before and we could have gotten more volume uh, if we would have been a little bit more competitive in the past. And um, now we can get more volume as business actually is lowering nationwide, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. Uh, Wendy has the other side of it, like you, what, why aren't we going up on the rates? And it's uh, this is why we're doing kind of this compromise where uh, we're going to kind of ease into it and we're, we're going to keep our rates basically the same. But in, instead, uh, I would say half of our loans go past the maturity dates. So uh, on those loans, because we could get higher rates if we wanted to, if we were on an adjustable, uh, then after the maturity yeah. date, then we it, it goes up another percent. The other thing too is our bought we have over seventy percent of our borrowers are repeat customers, and we have such a great relationship with them. We've we have been because of the the uh, size that we deal in for the the bridge loans, the things that we do, you know, smaller apartment complexes, smaller commercial buildings. Um we've we've been in a position to where we can really help people kickstart their business and get to the point where they're doing the much larger projects. And, and you know, when they get to that point, you know, they're not, not going to use us anymore because they can get much better rates. And so, so we just want to continue to build that relationship with them, you know, keep it strong. So they tell their friends that are coming into the market and give really good referrals for us um, to, to, to kind of help be that stepping stone for people that are, you know, serious about this business. Um, it's, so we, we, we know we're kind of in a, kind of an in-between place and, and we like being here because there's not a whole lot of competition where we are. Um, it, we're, so, so we get to kind of pick the cream of the crop that we want to deal with and, um, and and at the same time, uh, continue to all grow together, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And um, you're certainly being not just nice and not just sweet. You're just being also um, prudent from the point of view that uh, you don't want to put too much pressure on your existing relationships. And I, I totally get it. But on the other side, um, uh, I think you guys need more capital. Because you, you, from what I heard from you, you have more deals, no doubt, than the dollars. Yes, it's back to the supply demand of the money. You almost have to raise rates. So, uh, first of all, to attract more capital, you pay them more, right? That's basic laws of economics. So, to pay them more, you have to charge more. Yeah. So as you start charging more, you're you're going to jack jack up the yield to your investors. So your investors going to be happy. Um, by not increasing the rates, you're doing actually a disservice your uh investors 
from the point of view that uh, you're paying them too low, and then your borrowers, uh, if you give them the rate that is not competitive in essence, um, or maybe it's too competitive and too friendly, then when they go past maturity, they're going to be facing higher rate and you'll, you'll be diff- facing a, a difficult decision. So one of the ways to mitigate your problem or, or the opportunity, the better way to put it, is to increase the rates. Increase the rates um, and you may lose a little bit of business, but you have to explain to your uh, borrowers that it's not us, it's the Fed. It's not you. We're, it's the, a- good, we're the good cop. <laughs> they're, they're the bad cop. They're raising rates. And our cost of money is going too because our investors are asking for higher yield because the Fed is pushing rates everywhere else. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it's all right. So <laughs> thank you. Thank good you. Good cop, bad cop, right? <laughs> that, that's the best argument I've heard so far. Yeah, it is. It is. Honestly, the Fed is a bad cop. And a lot of people are spitting blood when they're talking about the Fed because they're causing a lot of pain and problems. Right. And um, I mean, we could talk for hours on the subject. I, I love the subject, but. They're certainly trying to fight inflation, and the inflation is a very serious evil in the society. A lot of uh, average uh, Janes and Joes, uh, their food at the, uh, the supermarket is costing more. Their ability to fill up the gas costing more. So an average oh, yeah. uh, U.S. citizen is struggling uh, to make the ends meet. The inflation is a substantial problem that which Fed has to fight. But when they do this, they cause all kinds of other problems. And uh, maybe it's it's by design that they want the economy to slow down. They want to cause grief. They want to yeah, cause unemployment. They're yeah, yeah. They're doing it on the backs of about 25% of the U.S. Yeah. GDP, which yeah. is housing. And that's, that's what gets affected the most. But at the same time, that's the easiest place to cause demand destruction because there's so many other ancillary businesses that That are attached to the housing market, uh, that it's the fastest way to slow down the economy. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a humongous amount of pain they've already caused and a lot of things still unknown. So we don't know how bad they've already caused the problems until some time passes. And that's the argument for them to take a a little bit of a pause uh, and to see what, 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 what have they done. But as far as your business is concerned, play the good cop. Just let the Fed be the bad cop. And they, they they are stuck between a rock and a hard place. They are not in a good position. They they have very difficult problem on their hands. By the way, massively caused by U.S. fiscal policy, not the monetary policy. Well, that's what they that's didn't invent the printing press. Two places, they, they have to fight the, the the government that keeps spending extra money. At the same time, they're trying mm-hmm. to fight inflation with by raising rates. So every time they they raise. You have not just the federal government, you have a lot of state governments that are taking money and giving it to their citizens to offset the higher cost of living, which is doing nothing but spending more money. Right. <laughs> Vicious circle. Yeah, and, and the, the, there's a big looming potential debt crisis on renewal. Uh, a lot of these bridge loans is a good old, old, old argument, uh, basically what you, you said. If somebody took a loan out a year ago and it's coming for renewal and uh, the rate adjusted quite a bit, they're pulling their hair out. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the rate is up a lot, and uh, they they can't meet the debt service coverage ratio, right? I mean, this is one of the one of the concerns. A lot of commercial paper, so the the risk is actually very very substantial. The Fed is living with it for some amount of time, but uh, I, I can't see them keeping the rates too high, too low, too, too long. Um, but I, I like this term, 
uh, the Fed action has long and variable legs. I don't know if you ever heard of the term. <laughs> it, 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 the impact is long and it, it's, it, it will be many uh, months down the road when we're going to see the, the impact. Meanwhile, they're the bad cop, you're the good cops. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It is. It's the best time to do it. Yeah, I should certainly consider this. Um, uh, so for the for the audience, how would folks reach out to you if they wanted to reach out? And again, dollars, right? You you need dollars. Mm, always. People have capital to invest. And uh, a lot of what you do is conservative first in paper. You yes. know, folks looking for income, you want to pick up the phone or go on your website. Uh, what's the best way to uh, reach out? CarolinaHardMoney.com. And you can go right to our investor tab and click on it. If you're looking to borrow money, you go right to the uh, plan out tab. And yeah, if you're looking to invest, reach out to, uh, and obviously this is not solicitation. You have a PPM, let folks read that and make their own decision. Uh, anyway, any other quick uh, parting thoughts um, besides the fact that the times are highly uncertain and, we, and, and a lot of anxiety with folks uh, at the same time, this is a great alternative to stock market. Uh, folks can get a good yield where, where they can get a stock market yield. Now it's gotten so much. Um, uh, the stock market represents a lot more risk when the rates yes. go up. And being a lender in real estate, firstly lender, mm -hmm. is actually a lot more defensive relative to some other speculative investing. So the strategy to invest in firstly in paper uh, is generally a good strategy to part the cash for a short amount of time and wait out the storm, right? That's one of the biggest strengths you have in your business. Mm -hmm. but any quick comments on this? Yeah, so a lot of people will go to treasury. They'll go to cash in the treasuries because it's nice and safe. They make their 4% and they have to keep it for, what, 10 years to get 4%. Well, if you get into uh, a private placement uh, mortgage pool fund and they're making anywhere between seven and, you know, 10 and a half, while parking your money and getting the same same bit of safety that you're getting in treasuries. Why wouldn't you do that? Especially if you don't have to keep your money tied up for right. 10 years in a 10-year treasury. <laughs> the other thing I want to address too is, is the word fear. So many people have a fear of the unknown, which is really what we started the conversation on. And it's so important to not crawl into a corner and hide. Um, you've got to keep steady plotting, be cautious with the decisions that you make and the moves that you're making, be cautious, but don't stop. You've, you've got to keep moving forward. Um, that's, that's what, that's what builds wealth is keeping moving forward. Yeah. yeah I, pre I appreciate that. Uh, it's a statement of faith and, you know, you guys are, uh, uh, and girls, boys and girls uh, of faith. So uh, God is in your heart. And for sure, you need to have faith uh, during the times of uncertainty. That's both biblical and practical life. That's right. Uh, a lot of volatility, uncertainty, fear, disbelief. Got to move forward with faith and heart. Yeah. Mike, real absolutely. quick, let me throw a little statistics on you uh, about the, the market where you have the... <laughs> There was a projection uh, I saw on Fox Business, a, a guy, an analyst, said that he thought that there would be at least a 20% drop in values uh, in single family real estate uh, nationally uh, over the next year. And I thought, wow, that's, you know, that's a heck of a drop. 
Uh, I think that's a little bit of conjecture, but I took his numbers at his at faith and I looked at my personal home from 2018. If I take the current value and I knock 20% off, I'm still up 39% from 2018. So even if we lose 20, 15, 20% value, um, if you've been in this market for a little while, you're still way up. <laughs> way up. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I think what uh, you are referring to is, is uh, this is what I think Fed wants to engineer is, is the um, soft landing, is where the prices will correct. I mean, they've gone up so much yeah. that a 20, 25, even 30% correction is not going to be catastrophic. What they don't want to have is 2008 when the prices collapse 70%, right? And right. They're try, trying to avoid, obviously, very much depends on the market. Right. The market is a lot less. But you're absolutely right that on a long-term basis, um, uh, the 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 upside is substantially greater than the downside. Mm-hmm. But people live in a short term. People live day, day, day by day. Right. And that's right. the concern. Yeah, they, they just don't want to lose 20% now or 30% now. And uh, at the end of the day, if you're going to hold assets for long-term, according right. to what you said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. So... Yeah, we do live in a microwave society. Yeah, it's not yeah. about it's not about getting rich quick. This is about building wealth, and it takes patience. It takes patience. <laughs> yeah, that's a great wisdom. That, that, uh, building wealth uh, is a patient exercise, and mm-hmm. that's why investing for long term is the way to go. And trying to avoid these short terms. Uh, that's right. And again, going back, without promoting your fund, we do good good amount of our own. Uh, bridge lending. Uh, the reason I like it in this environment is that it's a short term, number one. Uh, number two, uh, you could increase the prices on renewal. If it's a six month or 12 month bridge, if the uh, if the rents are up, you could you could basically, if the interest rates are up, you could charge uh, higher rate. And that's, that's an important factor. If the economy doesn't really go through severe recessions and thinks it's a soft lending, at that point, you can take the money out and put them somewhere else. So that's one of the strengths of parking the cash in this strategy. It's just it's 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 a lot more nimble than writing a check for a five-year deal. Although we do both. So sometimes it's not a one or the other. Sometimes it's all of that. But anyway, appreciate you guys. Uh, all good things must come to an end. So does this podcast interview. Uh, once again, uh, thank you kindly. And thank Billy, you. for the final time. So what's the website? One more time. CarolinaHardMoney.com. Thank you again. Thank you, Wendy. And thank you, Bill. And uh, uh, well, Bill, I guess Wendy is sweet. And what are you? Are you bitter? Or are you? <laughs> he's, a, a he's a fair man. He's a fair man. That's <laughs> right. That is correct. He's a fair man. A bitter fair man. Yeah. <laughs> thank thanks, you. Guys. Thanks for having us, Mike. Yes. Thank you so much. Appreciate you very much. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.